welcome to the We Hunt Podcast. We're your hosts, Todd Ellis and Jake Smith. Let's get this started. All right, welcome back to episode three. This one's going to be about early season tactics and what we do. And the first step, first and foremost, is going to be scent control. What's your rundown, Jake? So on my scent control, I'm going to start with my clothes. I wash it in the Wildlife Research Scent Killer Gold. I'm a huge believer in it. I like it. There's no odor whatsoever. There's no hint of like detergent or anything like that. It just has no smell whatsoever. Like I said, I love it. I'm a firm believer in wildlife research. I agree. And when it comes to my showers, I'm a huge, all I really use is the Scent Killer Gold Bar Soap. And that's all that I've ever used. I plan on trying the shampoo and uh, body wash, all that, the two-in-one, you know, I plan on trying it to try different things. Yeah, I run the body wash myself. All right, and when it comes to the woods, before I go in, I always spray down with my favorite thing that they make, which is the Wildlife Research Autumn Blend. I believe it's new for this year. It's the dirt and decaying leaves, leaves yep. smell. I love it. I mean, it smells like fresh dirt. Yeah. I have no complaints with it at all. Only time I've messed with it was what you brought up here to the shop and stuff. I'm a firm believer in the autumn blend. That, that, that's my favorite. Scent Killer Gold. Well, I, I run the, the regular Scent Killer Autumn Blend for a while, but the, the gold, the hunt dry stuff is, is taking my money every every chance it gets. But yeah, uh, I do like that dirt decay smell too. But uh, what's that uh, pine stuff that you were talking about that you, you like to put on your boots? So, again, made by Wildlife Research. I'm a really firm believer in it. That's all that I use. But I believe it's called X-Pine. It comes in a little spray bottle. And it smells exactly like pine sap. And that's what's always got me. I'm one of them. I may be the only person in the world, but I always forget the bottom of my boots. But I finally started picking the pace up on it, and I've started spraying it on the bottom of my boots. And I've had so many more deer come by me I always had problems of getting busted, you know, and as of this year, I've had deer within three yards of me walking down the same trail that I come in on. I'm 100% a believer in it. Yeah, you're going to have to bring some of that stuff over here. Let me check it out. See, now, where I differ from you, I swear by my, my scent killer. I love Wildlife Research Center. I don't use anything on my clothes but it. I use it for my body wash. I use it for a spray down before I get in the woods, but... My thing, as far as my boots and stuff go, is nose gym. Uh, I'm a big believer in it as well. I, I don't think you could take two products and combine them and make a better a better scent cover, period. Uh, I'll, I'll see a lot of people run nose gym or like the body wash and all that stuff. I think that's too much. It's a little too potent for me. I like to hit my, my breeches legs from the knees down in my boots. Anything that's going to brush against weeds or sticks while I'm walking in, I hit with that nose jammer. And... I've been doing that, been running that, that same system pretty much since about the second year Nose Jammer come out. So it's worked for me. I've had no reason to change it. So that, that's going to be my full rundown. So, Todd, what is your take on early season weather and, like, weather fronts and stuff? Me, I'm a firm believer in cold fronts, just, as, just the same as any other hunter. But something I like to do that most people don't, if, uh, say, it's been running like 65, 70 for the last two weeks, mm -hmm. and, you know, it, here in North Carolina, it could be December and hit 80s. 
we've seen it. But if it's run like 65, 70 for two weeks straight, and then, you know, it says Saturday, Saturday's high is going to be like 80, 85. It's going to jump up 10, 15 degrees. I like to be in there that Friday evening. I love to get in the evening before or the day before any front comes in. It doesn't matter. Cold fronts are always going to be better. But I have found over the years, even with these warm fronts that come in, they still know a front's coming. And so if they can tell that it's about to heat up, you know, they're going to be, they're going to try to get on their feet and feed. So they ain't got to be around as, or be out in the sun as much and be as hot, at least in my opinion. So I like to get in front of any front that comes in, but I'm not scared of a warm front. I love to get in there the day before or the morning of, and I've had great success running, running that route. What about you? So when it comes to the weather fronts, like you said, I'm a firm believer in the cold fronts. I like to be there the day before. And honestly, the morning of the cold, you know, I love morning hunts. I like morning hunts more than evening. That's just me personally, you know, other hunters may have their own opinion about that. But my favorite weather front for early season has to be when a rainstorm's coming in. I love hunting the day of the day before. And a big thing I like is when, let's say it's been raining all day, then it stops raining roughly four o'clock and it don't get dark till seven thirty eight. I want to be in there that evening just from my experience. Yeah. They are up on their feet and wide open. I agree. If I, I watch the radar when it's raining hard like that, and I, if I know it's supposed to break, I'll watch. And uh, if I see here in about 30 minutes, it's about to clear out. I'll go ahead and get my stuff packed, get gone, and I like to get in the woods right before that rain stops. Because at least right here in, in our part of the state, usually within about an hour of that rain cutting off, they're going to be out. You might have to deal with some turkeys running around until then. But yeah, yeah, yeah I agree with you 100% on that. A good rain front. A lot of people won't go when it's sprinkling. It's just, just heavy enough of a rain that it'll soak you. I, I love to grab the Gore-Tex and go get in it anyway. Oh, yeah. Ain't nothing wrong with it. No. I, I've seen some of the best deer with with a you know a decent drizzle i've watched them come in and i've seen i've seen a lot of good bucks doing that that i didn't even know were on there i I never had no trail cam pictures of them or nothing but it's just that weather to me i think they feel comfortable because the majority of people ain't in the woods they ain't really been busted or ain't been spooked by nobody during that set weather i know in in some ways a white-tailed deer is dumb like you throw you throw headlights and a horn on it, they'll walk right in front of it. But it's a completely different story when you step in the woods and, and try to get in a stand or get in, get in a tree or ground blind and get them in close range. Yeah, that's the smartest critter in the woods. So I think it's it's evolved. they've evolved and learned that when it's raining like that, the majority of people ain't out there. So they got free range and they ain't got nothing to worry about. And to me, that little bit of rain is what's put me on quite a few good deer just because nobody else wants to sit in that weather. Yeah, and I know this is a little different. I know a lot of hunters is going to disagree with me here, but I love it when the wind is blowing. It seems like 200 mile an hour, you know, it's swirling. I know a lot of hunters is going to disagree with me, but I love hunting that because the biggest deer I've ever killed, it may have just been God looking out for me, but the biggest deer I've ever killed, the wind was blowing like crazy. And it was, I was in a field, in the edge of a field, in the edge of like a laurel thicket and all that stuff. Yeah. But I like being in there those days. 
and hunting. I just, it's something about it that I love to be in there, you know? Yeah. Now, uh, I'm going to be with 99% of other hunters. I can't stand the swirling wind. High winds doesn't bother me. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm always going to hunt the wind to the best of my abilities. I hate a swirling wind. But on uh, kind of switch into another uh, another bullet point that I wanted to go over in this is food source and stuff. But to combine the weather and the food source, when the high winds are up like that, where, where are you trying to set? What kind of food sources are you setting up? I'm trying to be in the most confined spot that I can be in. I'm a, I love hunting thick. I like hunting around a bunch of oaks during early season, big time, you know, yeah. that's, I preach it to this day, but you know, I don't mind hunting over like a small food plot, you know, like a clover plot or something like that. I ain't got no problem with it or like being around the water source. Yeah. I don't want to be around just a big roaring river, but if it's just a small Creek that's steadily going down, you know, I don't mind hunting it because I know that there's a really good chance that something's going to come through and stop. Yeah. Yeah, see, now me, if the wind is blowing, you know, 15 mile an hour more, I stay out of the woods. Like, not that I don't hunt. I just, that's the type of weather. When I got high winds like that, in my experience and what I, I've seen over the years hunting, I prefer to get into open areas, get on the edge of a field, or, yeah, I mean, it could just be a CRP field. It could be a food plot, something that's fairly open, or if I can't find if I don't have a field like that on the property that I'm hunting, big open timber, because I've found when the wind is whipping that hard, they're relying more on their eyes than anything else because the wind's whipping and moving so much they can't keep up with it, with all the smells and where everything's coming from. They can't trust their ears because there's too much noise going on. So I've found on windy days, I have a lot higher success rate of just seeing deer over just taking them, but actually seeing more deer hunting open areas where they can see long range and, you know, whether it be fields or, you know, mature hardwoods that, that's got a really open floor. I've just found that they rely on their eyes so much that I'd rather be somewhere, you know, wide open. Now, as far as food sources go, like you were talking about, yeah, early season, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be all over oak trees. Like in our part of the state, like uh, pin oaks, willow oaks are going to be the first, first trees to start dropping. Then you're going to have red oaks fall. And white oaks are the very last acre in the fall in our area. So, me, I don't really hunt red oaks. I've not, not that deer don't eat red oaks. I know they do, but I just, I've never had much success off hunting red oak acres. And nor pin oaks. I wait until when the white oaks start raining, that, that's when I'm going to sit on oaks. Until then, you know, with a bait state like we have, corn pile, early season. And, not even so much sitting on the corn pile. I might set, might set a corn pile up, you know, and go 50, 60, 100 yards past it and go get in the woods because, you know, just the same as anywhere else that you bait, they get used to it. They're not going to want to, uh, they're not going to want to come in at daylight. They want to come in right at the edge of dark. You can't get, you can't get right on them until dark. You move back 50, 100 yards, you can see them, you know, 30 minutes to an hour earlier. So what is your opinion on mock scrapes? I'd like to hear what tips and tricks that you offer because I personally do not have any experience with them and I'd love to hear what you have to say because I do plan on trying that this year. Now, I love mock scrapes. I mean, I, I'm late on it this year. I usually start putting them out about the time they start shedding velvet. 
I like to use hemp or a, you know, like a rope style, like a hemp rope. It ain't got to, you know, be hemp, but that's just, that's what I have. That's what I use. It's cheap on Amazon. I take, uh, I'll take, and I'll take an old antler, scratch ground up underneath it. I'll zip tie that rope to a limb with, uh, North Carolina's new rules or new laws this year. I have to use all synthetic, uh, deer urines, but, uh, I'll use, you know, I'll have to find something. Honestly, I don't know as far as non-synthetic or synthetic goes. Usually I'll run, uh, I work with a company called Cook's Fatal. I'm a firm believer in his products. I'll use his dominant buck or rutting buck, depending on the time of year. Early season, it's going to be, you know, just dominant buck. Soak it down, little on the ground, and I'll run my cameras over. And I like to put, in a 100-yard stretch, I like to put at least three or ten. You know, maybe more depending on how many bucks I've got on camera. If I've got enough there, I'm really trying to, you know, piss them all off. I'll run a little more than that, but usually three and three, maybe four in a line in a in hundred yards, and I put it right off the side of trails. And I found early season, it's not really, not really so much that I think it's making them mad. It's making them more curious. They're coming in. I get them coming in a lot more often. Because they're trying to see which deer it is that's doing it. I think it could be a killer tactic early season. I know like three ruts when they're chasing and they're actually getting mad. Oh, it, it's killer. It pays, it's paid off for me time and time again. And even with deer I haven't shot. I've, I've watched so many bucks come in, lick that rope, rubber forehead on it, fall the ground, piss all over it. Which ain't doing nothing in turn, especially with North Carolina's new laws. If I can get them in there doing it. It's putting real, real deer piss back into the uh, back into my mock scrapes that we can't put out. But yet, you know, it's the best way I know how to do it. But I, w- I would say firmly, get them in early and get them used to it, and they'll continue coming in and continue checking. They're gonna keep it; it'll stay there all season. Like if you get them actively hitting it early, it'll never go anywhere. They'll keep it until post rut. That's that's about it on mock scrapes, really. So. uh What's your take on uh, hunting bedding areas? So with bedding areas, I don't like to overpressure any, no matter if it's rut, mid-season, early season, it don't matter. I don't like to overpressure it. Now, on the other hand, where I'm hunting this year, I'm actually right down the hill from a bedding area, about 75 to 100 yards. It's up at an angle above me. They're actually up on top of a ridge. I'm down midways of the ridge. I'm just, I'm literally, I'm hunting the side of a mountain. Yeah, and they're way up above me. I'm right in the middle. I'm catching them as they come down to the food source, which is a patch of oaks. And they've already started dropping. They're eating it up. Like the other morning, I went up there. I had seven. I counted nine within a 30-yard radius of me, but seven of them actually come out in front of me at 18 yards and was eating the acorns off the ground. I got you. See, I'm I'm same way. I rather sit in between bedding and food. I don't mind hunting bedding areas. The only time I do it early season is if I've got I've got deer around here. I know by second, third week of October they're gone. They're gonna they're gonna disappear. They're it's not so much that they're gone that they disappear. It's just about the second week of October is when patterns start changing around here. They they kind of get off the the bucks do anyway. The does will stay on a little longer, but the bucks will get off their their summer pattern. They'll start transitioning over to you know fall and winter style uh trails and with that 
if I know he's about to get gone and the only chance I might get to see that deer again, and it's the way it's worked year after year, is I'll have like the last week of October, he'll pop back up and to the end of the first week of November, whatever I, whatever bucks I had early season will pop back up for about that two week period. And then all, all the new guys show up and I'm hunting very limited acreage right here. So it ain't like I can travel around with them, but the new guys will show up and they'll bump them out. Or when the new guys show up, they, they run off and find, you know, another, like a winter home range to track those. So if I know I got to get in there, I'm limited, you know, two, three weeks right here in September to get in there and get on the deer. If I can walk in with the wind in my face, if I can set with the wind blowing in my face, I'll get on a bedding area early and hunt it. But at the same time, if I'm sitting there and I've watched the wind as the evening progresses, we all know the wind will slightly start shifting direction and other fronts come in, I'll change wind directions too. But if, if the wind starts getting, like I can watch it, it's slowly, steadily turning towards that bedding area. I don't care if I've been in there 20 minutes, 30 minutes, or been there four hours. I'm going to get out and back out because I don't want to put that scent in there. I don't want them knowing that I'm that close to them or I'm messing around their bedding area. I'll just out and leave. And on top of that, if if I know they're in there bedded down midday and, you know, say they get, I've got the camera showing they're getting up about five, six, something like that, getting out, I'll I'll wait until cell cam tells me, hey, they went in there. They've been in there for about an hour and a half. I ain't got nothing coming out. So they went in at, they went in at 1130. About one o'clock, I'm getting my stuff together to get out there. I know it makes a long, hot set early season, but I want to get in there when they're late, when they're bedded down, and I get in quietly, get up. That way, everything, any noise I've made, you know, I made early, they're not associated with hunters so much. And everything comes down, and by, you know, five o'clock, six o'clock that evening, when they're actually getting back up and going back to feed, they have slap forgot about all the noise that was made. And open my opportunity for shooting one out of a bed near earlier but other than that i don't have one that i'm just i'm dead set on i'm trying to get before he gets out of here i'm not going to mess with bedding areas I, I like to leave it alone and wait till rut and then i'll i'll go hit them but uh from there this one will be though there's gonna be two sides of this conversation and i know some people are going to agree with us wholeheartedly some people are not going to agree with us but it's okay i mean I hunt my my property the way I want to hunt it. Everybody else hunt their property the way they want it. That's the best part about this sport. We ain't got to do it all one way. But uh, early seasons, do you or do you not shoot those? So I'm a firm believer just like you. Opening day or the first set I make of the year, I'm killing the first thing that steps out. You know, there is exceptions. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to kill something that still has dots on it. It's going to have to be. A decent mature doe you know or if my target buck walks out or if you know just a good 120 class buck walks out i'm going to shoot it just because personally i do not have a buck kill under my belt with a bow yes. i've just got the doe kills but i do believe that it's all right to kill does in the early season especially if you've got way too many of them which is the problem that me and my brother are running into in virginia we are overpopulated it's just those outnumber bucks like 99 to 1 it's terrible ratio is horrible it's horrible i mean i do not mind feeling my doe tags that's my opinion but i know people's gonna have theirs yeah see now me 
I mean, I'd love, I, I've got, and it is just me. Like, I know you've heard me talk about it, and Jamie, Jamie gives me so much crap for it. But opening day, the first duck steps in, does not leave. Like, I leave phones alone. I ain't shooting, you know, spikes. or I'm not, I'm not going to waste the buck tag on something that I need to let grow. But first doe that steps in, she doesn't get to leave. I'm getting that first deer of the year out of the way. I'm getting all that nerves of nine months of waiting for season to come back in. All that, I'm getting it out with the first big nanny that shows up. Now, after that, I mean, if I want to put more meat in the freezer, I, I personally, I like shooting all my does early. I'm, if I'm trying to fill the freezer, I really do it the first two, three weeks of the season. Just being, if they don't have phones. I mean, if they've got if they got phones with them, yeah, I'm letting them walk. I ain't, ain't going to be that cruel. But if they come in, Big Nanny comes in, she's got no phones with her, or the phones are, you know, they're done old enough to, uh, to be on their own and they're not nursing. Yeah, nannies are gone. And I'm not against taking a year and a half old dough. I think they eat better. They're not... They're not the does that are putting all these phones back into the, you know, they're not contributing to these twins and triplet phones. It's these older mature does that are giving you the two and three phones every year. You're going to see one phone with these young does. So, I mean, it's not as much meat on there, but I think they eat better. And I'm not, I'm not cutting my population of my herd down as much by taking one of these younger does as I would be taking the older does. But yeah. Opening day, if I smoke, I smoke a doe opening day, typically I'm I'm going to set the next two, three weeks, probably just two weeks waiting for horns. And if one of my target bucks doesn't come in, then I'm going to go right back into does or just setting and filming. My argument for uh, shooting them early over late season is I'd rather shoot them early when I know the phones are already big enough to take care of themselves and they're not pregnant. Now, late season, I, I've shot them late season too. I mean, I can't say I never have, but I've shot both. But in the skinning process, I've noticed the majority of those that I, I shot early or late season had phones in them. And I'd rather not shoot them and take that opportunity of that phone being born, you know, and being a good buck away. I guess in a sense, you know, I shot her before she was, she was bred. So it, it still wasn't born, but if if she's already gone, he's bred some other doe that's made it. So either way, he's passing his genes on. So that's that's my take of why I'd rather shoot them early season over late. What about you? So with I would much rather kill a doe in the early season, basically for the same exact reason that you just said. I've had way too many people tell me that story of their gutting them and you know, they find that out and everything. And usually in the late season, I know people say, oh, well, bucks are not active, bucks are not active. But I've seen many big deer killed later on in the season. Over good food sources. Over good food sources. My doe killing days is first thing early in the season. Yes, I do pass up on them, you know. I like to go ahead and get two or three of those doe tags out of the way. I'm one of them. I'm not a 100% a horn hunter. You know, yeah. I've got six tags. I'm going to fill what I can of them, you know. I got you. I, I want to put meat in the freezer, you know. I'm the same way. I'm going to fill that freezer, and then, then we'll go looking for horns. Yeah. And what really makes it hard is, you know, 
Yeah, I may be looking at it the wrong way, but where I'm hunting in Virginia, usually we've got four shooter bucks, 130 class plus, you know, yeah. which is very good. We've got a decent amount of land, but as of this year, we've really only got one buck on the hit list, and we've got so many does in that mountain that he's just sticking to that one area, but he won't switch from nighttime to daytime and give us the chance at him. Yeah, thin them down and make them have to hunt them. Yeah, that's... Yeah. And I've talked to a lot of people about that, and I firmly believe there is a such thing as too many does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to have your buck to doe ratio down. You you won't. I've always heard four to one. And realistically, if you ain't got everybody in the county helping you, it's going to be really hard to get them ratios like that. But like you're talking about, I've got. I usually have, you know, six seven good shooters in Virginia. You know, from 125 to you know, maybe 150, 160. This year, I've got four ranging from probably, I say, low end 125, maybe 130s to 150 max. But I sat and filmed them, you know, what was it, a month ago? Set up there and filmed on the edge of the field out of the truck. And I seen two of them. But I also filmed 35 does, you know, in the field with them. So how am I going to pick which doe he's going to be on when there's that many of them? Yeah, I agree. Thin them down, but it, it takes a takes a village to get that uh, ratio back right. Yeah, and you ain't you ain't lying about that. That's for sure. That I know. I already said it, but I preach that. I will hundred percent believe in it. I think there can't be too many does. Yep. It's just it's you know the does will always outweigh bucks but I try to keep it as even as possible so he has to go around searching. Yeah. We've never had that problem of having too many does, but this year it is terrible. Yeah, I and, think, personally, I think it has a lot to do with, and and good for, for everyone that's trying and they get it done, but I think too many people are looking for this 130, 140, 150 class buck, and they're not shooting any does. And I think because of social media, personally, that everybody's got to kill this caliber of a deer or they're going to, everybody's going to talk crap on. And I mean, and you see it anytime you see anybody post a deer somewhere, everybody's got, you'll have 10 comments. You'll have three good comments. Everybody's like, congratulations. You did great. That's a heck of a buck. And then you'll have seven more people talking about how he needed another year. He needed 12 more years. It's so dumb on social media. People don't understand that might be the best deer that that they had on their property. That's fine, but don't forget, you know, still hunting. You're out there enjoying nature. You're going if you're doing it to eat. Is is why you should be out there. I mean, enjoy it, have fun. If you're if you're not eating it, like me, I have a red meat allergy. I, I'm I can't eat deer meat at this point in time due to a tick bite. So my family eats everything I kill. Uh, hunt, hunters for the hungry, donate your meat. Stuff like that, but don't forget to take them does out because you keep weaning your bucks out, you're gonna have so many does you're not gonna be seeing bucks. Yeah, and I believe and I agree with that one hundred percent. Yeah. But I think that's about gonna wrap it up for this episode. I think what are we gonna try to do here? We're gonna try to crank one out every two weeks for now. Every other week if we can, possibly add an extra in there here and there, you know, y'all gotta kinda work with us. We're just getting into this and we both work full time jobs, so it's not like we can jump and make one each week. So you do have to work with us a little bit. 
Yeah, we'll but, see if we can't get that bonus episode in from time to time. Yeah, but we are very appreciative for who does listen, and we just ask for you to share it with your friends and family and just whoever you think might be interested in it. Yeah, get get it out there. Let everybody else listen to it. And we're all for constructive criticism, too. I mean, if you do something different than we're doing and you think you have a legit reason why, explain yourself. Leave it in. Leave it as a review. Tell us about it. Uh, we're on we have the We Hunt podcast on Facebook. Look it up, add it, leave your comments. Uh, any any topics, any episodes you want us to dedicate to a certain topic, if if we can find uh, enough information on it, if we don't know or if we know enough about it, we'll put it out. What do you think? I believe you said everything that I was going to cover. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, with uh, the stuff that we got shipped to us, by no way, are we uh, sponsored by anyone, not the podcast or us individually, but we did have somebody send us a package that we're waiting on right now that we'd like to uh, give that company a little shout out if we haven't spoke about them enough on this podcast. But won't you, won't you shout them out, Jake? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I would like to give Wildlife Research a huge shout out with sending us a couple of things. Like Todd said, we are in no way sponsored individually or the podcast. But we are very thankful for the opportunity of being able to get a couple things and try new things that they may offer. And we will love to give the feedback on those new things. Todd, is there anything else you'd like to say? Uh, yeah, once uh, once we get the uh, box and we see what we got, we'll give a uh, we'll give a review of what it is, how we used it, and you know what we thought. And, and like I said, we're not sponsored by anybody, so you're gonna get an honest review. I love their products, but I mean, it's crap, crap. But so we'll call it as we see it. But with Wildlife Research Center, I don't think it'll be anything bad. Yeah, I don't think they'll disappoint us. But if it's something that you may be interested in, like Todd said, we've got the Facebook page, you know, We Hunt. I'm not. Does it say We Hunt or We Hunt Podcast? We Hunt Podcast. All right. But if you would like for us to go follow the page, comment, let us know if you want to see footage of maybe trail cam videos and stuff of if it's doe urine, you know, stuff like that. We'll make small clips of if a buck comes in trying it. Just go on there, like the page, subscribe, let us know, comment. Like Todd said, if you have anything to say, we're open to new things. Yeah. And I guess with that, we'll end it right there. Thanks for listening to the We Hunt Podcast. We'll see you in the next episode.